Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Have you ever looked at what seems like an ocean of people waving and cheering in a political rally or sitting destitute in refugee camps? Or huge teeming crowds at a rock concert or a sports event? Have you ever thought about all the hopes and dreams, problems and concerns represented by those groups within such masses of humanity? But more importantly, have you ever wondered what will happen to all of them? Where will they all end up? Where will they be in eternity, after all? We will all die. But what happens after that? And to make it more personal, have you ever wondered where you will be? After all, that day is coming, and it's coming for all of us. The Bible speaks of two roads and two destinies. The one road is broad and very crowded. It has room for everybody's opinions and ideas, and it has room for every pleasure and distraction you can think of. And unfortunately, multitudes choose this road. It's easy and it steadily flows along day after day as we pursue our own desires. However, the other road is narrow, and there is no room for a hundred different viewpoints or a thousand different pleasure trips. There's only room for God's way, for righteousness and truth. And unlike the other road, this one goes up, upwards to heaven, and it's a road we'd all be wise to choose. And contrary to popular belief, It's not dull, lonely, and cheerless. It's filled with joy and daily blessings. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Jim Jarvis takes a look at these two roads and presents us with Christ's invitation to enter in with him through the narrow gate. Matthew 7 and verse 13. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. One last verse in John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 6. Another well-known verse, and again the words of the Lord Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Lord Jesus spoke in very simple terms. He spoke in language that is easy to understand. And you know, that seems to be one of the things that hinders a lot of people today from coming to Christ for salvation. Because we're living in a world that likes to complicate everything. And they like to make things sound very high and mighty and philosophical. And they have these ideas that are floating around that just seem to complicate all of the things to do with life and the future. They make it so complicated that really no one knows what to believe. And that is really part of the whole strategy. Just to get people thinking that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're 
searching. As long as you're groping around, even if it's in the dark, and searching, then that, that's what it's all about. They even have a saying about that. Never trust someone who has said they found the truth. Only trust those who are searching. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. But that is the common philosophy around us in the world. Don't trust those who say they've found the truth. Only trust or only listen to those that are searching for it. And of course, the ones that are searching never know when they found it. Because really, they don't want to find it. It's all about the search. It's all about the climb. Well, that is not why the Lord Jesus came to this earth. Just to start people on an endless search that never reaches the truth. We read in John 14 and 6, he declares very boldly and very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You notice that he doesn't say to that disciple Thomas, he doesn't say to him, I will just show you the way. He says, I am the way. He didn't say to Thomas, you know, Thomas, listen to me, I will tell you the truth, even though he always did. He said to Thomas, I am the truth. He didn't just say to Thomas, I will give you life, even though he did offer life. He said, I am the life, the way, the truth, and the life. So when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have found the way, you have found the truth, and you have found life. This is a gospel message that is clear. No, it's not all convoluted and complicated, and you have to spend your whole life trying to figure it out. I had a co-worker I worked with for a few years, the Department of uh, Social Services that I worked for. He was just a couple of offices down from mine, and he was quite a philosophical guy. We had a lot of good talks. He came out to hear me preach a couple of times, but he was, as I said, very philosophical, and he was one of these ones that was always searching, and we'd have great discussions. And I remember after I left and went preaching the gospel full-time, he was questioning me on what I was doing, and he couldn't understand how I could leave a good job and leave the security of a government job, all the benefits and the pension down the road, and go out preaching like I am tonight and have for many years. Couldn't understand that at all. And I remember years went by. I hadn't seen him for several years, and I ran into him at a Tim Hortons. And so he greeted me very friendly and wanted to catch up on everything. And it was just a matter of minutes, and we were right into the gospel again. He had just come back from a pilgrimage. They retraced the steps of one of the apostles. Uh, they have this big, long trail you can follow, and, and they have uh, tours that take people through this pilgrimage. You take your backpack, you go camping, and you, you walk for 100 miles or so. I don't know how far it is, but he had just come back from this big pilgrimage. So I said to him, I see you're still searching. Well, yes. He admitted he was still searching. And so I got into the gospel with him and began to tell him again about the Lord Jesus and what I had in Christ and how I knew my sins forgiven and how as a boy of 11, I trusted Christ and I was sure of eternal life. And we had a, a good little talk. And at the end of it, he just kind of shook his head and he said, well, Jim, I, I, I wish I could believe like you. I said, well, thanks for the insult. And he looked at me. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you've just insulted me. But I said, that's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. I get insulted all the time. He said, I wasn't insulting you. I said, stop and think about what you just said. I said, think about what you just said. You said to me, I wish I could be like you and believe like you. I said, do you know what you were telling me? You were telling me, Jim, I wish I could just be as simple as you and believe about the Lord Jesus and just it all be settled. 
but I'm much more intellectual than that. Well, I'll tell you, his head went down. He said, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. You see, what the world wants to do with these issues of life and death and eternity, they want to make them so intellectual and so complicated. And it's really the devil's work to convince people that it can't be this simple. It can't be like they're saying when they preach the gospel. There has to be a lot more to it than that. And so it sets people on this pathway of endless searching and trying to get more and more complicated and get into it deeper and deeper until they find themselves in a black hole that they can never get out of because they're so confused by that time and everything is so convoluted that there's no answers for anything. Some of you are smiling a little bit. You know why? Because you know what I'm saying is true, don't you? That's just the way it is. And it saddens our hearts. We got a letter. I read it over. Wrote a letter when he got the invitation. Sent the invitation back in his letter. And got talking about different religions and his search and everything else. And he didn't leave his address. We can't go and visit him and try to talk to him. But I could tell just by reading that letter, that's exactly the kind of man he was. Endless search. All the religions and all the philosophies. And there's no answers to be found anywhere. You just keep looking. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ came with answers to man's questions. As a matter of fact, he has more answers than you have questions. If you could only realize it from the word of God, the omnipotent creator of heaven and earth, who knows all things and sees all things, came down to this earth as a man and he brought himself, his very person, he himself, as the way of salvation. And by dying on that cross and suffering for sin, he paid the full price that I might be redeemed and know my sins forgiven and have eternal life. And he's saying to the disciples here in Matthew chapter 7, and it's been preached all down through the centuries, this message of salvation, enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. You know one of the greatest arguments against the gospel that people use all the time? There's only a few of you that believe this. How can the vast majority around us in the world, how can they all be wrong? And you little few people that believe this You say you're the only ones that are right. Now, I'm not talking just about the ones who come to the gospel hall. Don't think that we're trying to be that exclusive, that it's only us that come to the gospel hall that have the truth. No, there are are born-again Christians all around us. A lot of them don't go to the gospel hall. We wish they did, but they don't. They go to different places. They believe the same truth that I believe when it comes to salvation. They believe that it's found in Christ and in Christ alone, but we're still only a small minority. The vast majority of people do not believe this message. Well, do you know what the Lord Jesus said? He said, the gate is wide, the road is broad, and many there be which go in thereat. And the straight gate and the narrow way, few there be that find it. Few there be that find it. Four simple thoughts in the next few minutes I want you to look at. Number one, you have a decision to make. Enter ye in. The question is, are you going to enter or not? Secondly, There's a door to enter, a narrow door, a straight gate. The Lord Jesus says in 
John's gospel, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. A decision to make, a door to enter, a destiny to face. It's either heaven or hell tonight, one or the other. And lastly, there is a deliverance to grasp. Life, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have a decision to make. We don't preach just making a decision for Christ and saying a few words and repeat after me, sign your name here or raise your hand or come up to the front and you're saved. No, what we're saying is you have to make a decision whether you're going to go in for God's salvation or just walk out the door and go your way and try to forget all about it. That's what I'm telling you. That's the decision you'll have to make. Either I am going to go in for this and make it the most important thing in my life or I'm just going to drive it out of my mind and go on living the way I've always lived. We're not talking about something that you can just add on to everything else you've been doing either. Some people think that. You know, they think, well, I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. Or I'm, I'm a good husband or a good wife or a good father or mother. And I've got all these things to my credit. I think I better add this salvation business just to make sure. Dear woman in Newfoundland told me that once. She said, I've been a good wife to my husband, a good mother to my children. And I've been uh, very religious through the years. The only thing I haven't done is I haven't gotten saved. She had it in her mind that all she had to do was just add this to everything else and it would kind of be the, the icing on the cake. No, no. God's salvation is all you need tonight. Anything else that you might think pleases God, my Bible calls it filthy rags. Nothing you have done in your life up until now is going to get you one inch closer to heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible is clear that all of these things accumulate through the years and they really just sink us deeper into hell in the end. All the things that we're trusting in, they're all going to fall apart. But the person who has Christ and Christ alone has eternal life. Are you going to go in for it tonight? There is a door that you need to enter. You need to set your sights on that door and make one mighty effort to get through it, to determine in your heart, I want this more than anything else in the world. It's the most important issue of my life, and I need to get it. A door that's open to you tonight, and a Savior that is beckoning. Other doors beckon as well. Other roads. This broad road is crowded, and there are many pathways, many bypaths on that broad road that people go down. But there's only one road that leads to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Some will take the narrow road through Christ to eternal salvation. Some will take the broad road that leads down to destruction. And it's in your hands. The decision is yours. I can't make it for you. Friends or loved ones can't make it for you. It is your decision. What are you going to go in for? Which direction are you going to go in your life? Is it Christ or the world? A lot of people struggle with that. They think, oh, if I get saved, I have to change my lifestyle. I have to change the, the way I talk and the things I do and the places I go. And people size that up. And, the, and you know what one of the greatest hindrances is? What are the friends going to say? What are my loved ones going to say? My relatives, my parents, my spouse. What are they going to say if I come and tell them that I've gotten saved, that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Some have gone through it here. Some have had to face it. The scorn, the ridicule, the things they'll throw at you when you tell them about God's salvation 
And a lot of people back away and they say, no, I can't face that. I can't stand the thought of that. Well, what's more important to you? The approval of a few friends that are going to drag you down into a lost eternity? Or the knowledge that my sins are forgiven, that Christ is my Savior, and I'm going to spend eternity with him? My dad was hindered by that when he heard the gospel. He was a truck driver. He delivered gasoline for Shell, Shell Oil Company. And he was a real friendly guy. He had friends all over the country where he used to drive in his route with his truck and all the truckers in the restaurants and people that he knew and his co-workers. And he was a big baseball player and, and a coach. He had all kinds of sporting friends that, in the baseball field. And he used to think after my mom got saved, and I got saved a couple of weeks after my mom, he used to think about that. He used to say, what about my friends? What about all my people that I hang around with? What are they going to say? But after he got God's salvation, when he'd give his testimony, do you know what he would always say? He'd say, I found out after I got saved, I had far more friends and I had far better friends than I ever had before. A circle of fellowship of believers that will stick by you through the hard times and who show a genuine love and concern. A fellowship of believers, of brothers and sisters, because we do call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. And there is something that is so comforting about knowing I have brothers and sisters in Christ who stand by me shoulder to shoulder. We're all linked together. Make sure you get through that door tonight. Then notice with me just in the last next couple of minutes, a destiny to face. People don't like how simple we make this, but it's the words of the Lord Jesus himself. One road leads to life, the other to destruction. One road leads to heaven, the other leads to hell. People don't even want to hear that word. And I try to be more careful than I used to be when I say that word hell. I found that it was rolling off my tongue almost, well, I won't say too frequently, but in too much of a familiar way. And I've been thinking a lot lately that when I speak about hell, I need to be careful how I even say it. I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep weaving it into my messages. But it is such a solemn place. Such a terrible truth that we have to be careful we don't become too familiar and just use it in a way that make the unsaved think that it's not that, not that bad after all. Maybe not even real. I tell you, it is real. Very real. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself spoke of it time and time again. Warning men and women, I am convinced he never would have went to Calvary. He never would have suffered the way he suffered. He never would have endured all that he endured if there was no place called hell. It's real tonight. And you need to face it and make up your mind to escape that awful place. Lastly, a deliverance to grasp. What does it say in verse 14? Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. That's what we're offering tonight. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you want eternal life? Do you want life in Christ that will never, never, ever leave you? 
It'll be with you through the difficult days and circumstances of life. It'll be with you when it comes time to die. And I've stood by the bedside of of several different Christians, along with those who weren't Christians. But I'll tell you, the ones that were Christians, that I knew were Christians, I knew they were born again, and I'd enjoyed fellowship with them through the years. And then in their last hours, one dear lady, I was there about 15 minutes before she died. And I used to go in and visit her and talk about heaven. She was dying of lung cancer. One day I went in to visit her. Her daughter had called and told me that I should get in. Her mother was very low. She didn't think she was going to last very long. And I'll never forget going in and sitting there by her bedside. She was really unconscious. And I sat there and I talked to her about heaven. In my own mind, I was convinced that she was hearing my words. Couldn't respond. I just talked to her about heaven and I sang two or three hymns. It felt a little strange, but I just sang two or three hymns to her and then told her what it would be like when she finally left this earth and entered heaven. And I just said to her, the first one you're going to see is the one who died for you, the Lord Jesus. I said, you look for him. He'll be right there. And I remember praying. And then I said my goodbyes. I left. I drove the 10 or 15 minutes home. And when I parked the car in the laneway, the phone was ringing in the house. And I ran in and answered the phone. And this was her daughter. She said, Jim, you were hardly left the hospital when my mother was gone. She left. I thought, isn't that something? And it just made the tears flow down my cheeks to think the last words she heard on this earth We're speaking to her about heaven, about the Lord Jesus, about the assurance of eternal life. That's what it means to be saved and to know for sure your sins are forgiven. Yes, the Bible presents us with a decision to make, a door to enter, a destiny to face, and a deliverance to grasp, and the choice is ours. Will we enter in through the gate or stay on the road that we're on, the broad road called basically the I-did-it-my-way route? It's a rejection of what we know that God wants for us. What a sad choice this would be when the Lord has provided the way to get on the upward road, the opportunity to have our sins forgiven and peace with God. Enter in today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com. 
where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.